TII Item 346, May 7, 2015, iOS 8.4 Beta 2, and Apple Watch. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by lynda.com. Learn the top software, creative, and business skills from easy-to-follow video tutorials at lynda.com. Start your free 10-day trial. Visit lynda.com slash TII. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Barry for sending in the music here in the background. Barry wrote, Hi, Rob. Here's a silly little song I made way back when with GarageBand when it was first out for iOS. Feel free to use it on the show. Regards, Barry S. Well, thanks, Barry, for the music. And folks, I'll put the full song at the end of the episode. Also want to thank Kevin for sending in the artwork for today's show. Kevin said the following. Hi, Rob. This is a butterfly taken with the iPhone 6 at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Processed with photos, painter-esque, and Avery. Regards, Kevin Crossman, Fremont, California. Well, Kevin, thanks again for sending in his artwork. And folks, you can see Kevin's artwork in the free TII app via the bonus button for episode 346 or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash todayios. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayios at gmail.com. Please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create set artwork and or music. And I'm down to one song, one song in the queue. So if you have some music created on an iOS device, please, 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 please send it in. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, yet for some of us who sat in the audience watching Steve Jobs introduce the device, the whole thing felt like a letdown. Unquote. Daniel Lyons, a.k.a. Fake Steve Jobs, Business Week, 28th, January 2010, talking about the iPad. There's a reason he is known as Fake Steve Jobs and not Steve Jobs, because he has launched, well, as many hit consumer products as me, and that would be zero. Just saying. For promo codes on episode 345, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the app Mercy's personal tip calculator. It's a bunch of words. We'll be giving out those early next week. For more info on that app, go back and listen to the beginning of episode 345. For promo codes this week, we have promo codes for the app Slender Man Origins 3. Here is the written review from the dev. Hi everyone, we're Bigzor, an independent game development company. Many of our fans have been asking if there will be another game about Slender, and now it's finally time for the sequel. This game, Slender Man Origins 3, Abandoned School, is our third installment in the series. The story is about a girl followed by Slender Man in her nightmares as she tries to escape from him and save the souls of the children already captured by the Slender Man. The game features improved graphics, atmospheric sound effects, small game of events, full voice acting, and a new level randomizing feature, which makes sure you can't play one level in the same manner twice. 
Doors get locked, corridors become sealed, while new paths open each time you start a game. The levels themselves have multiple floors and multiple ways to reach every room, giving both you and Slender freedom to choose your way. Even if Slender is off your track, you shouldn't stay for too long. Your sanity will slowly escape you, though you can fight it by finding medicine throughout the level. Finally, use headphones for the best experience. Thanks, and we hope you have fun playing Slenderman Origins 3. Thanks to the devs for sending in their written review of their app, Slenderman Origins 3, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put Slender in the subject line. We'll be giving those away later next week. A quick reminder, if you're an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. Hey, Rob. This is Ken from Alexandria, Virginia. I just wanted to call in and kind of fill you back in on the Apple Pay use on the Apple Watch. You don't have to open the Passbook uh, app to actually access your Apple Watch Apple Pay. All you have to do is double tap the side button on the watch and your default card will show and you just tap and go. Enjoy the show, Rob, and thanks for everything you do. And this is where I go. Bye. Hey, Rob. I'm currently listening to the most recent episode of TII, and you mentioned that Apple Pay was a chore to uh, use as compared to on the iPhone and that you have to go into Passbook and all that. And I'm sure a dozen other people are probably informing you of this as well, but you do not need to open Passbook. All you need to do is tap the button twice and it launches Apple Pay. Hopefully that'll make the checkout process a little easier for you. Keep up the good work. Bye. Ken, Jonathan, thank you for the voicemail message. Darren, Bruce, Mark, Kareem, and a few others, quite a few others. Thank you for your emails. And yes, yes, I, I messed up on that. So this is my correction. Uh, I was wrong. It is actually very easy to use Apple Pay on your Apple Watch. As they mentioned, just double tap on the side button. And regardless of what app you had running, it will bring up Apple Pay on your Apple Watch. And then you just tap your wrist up to the payment unit and it registers as paid. For some reason, the first time I went to use it, it wasn't working. And I didn't, I guess I wasn't double tapping and I had to open the Apple Pay and get it there. So I was wrong or... Anyway, all you do, double tap the button that's not the crown, the other one, and boom, up it comes if you've got it set up and it works flawless. And yes, it is a lot easier to do that than it is to reach into your pocket and pull out your iPhone. Last week, Apple released iOS 8.4 Beta 2 to devs and iOS 8.4 Public Beta 1. Looks like Apple will keep making the very first beta a devs only release and then wait at least until the second beta to see how things are going before releasing to the public beta. Most of the changes from beta 1 to beta 2 of 8.4 seem to be bug fixes and performance enhancements, and well, that's pretty much it. But if you are one of the public beta group, you can now go and get the 8.4 beta right now, this moment, this second. Go get it. Well, maybe in this second. Depends on when you're listening. But the second right now when I'm recording, which is May 7th. I do want to apologize ahead of time for any background noise you hear. There's thunderstorms rolling through, going to be rolling through the whole time I'm recording. It looks like all night long and rain and 
So any background noise, I do apologize, but sounds like Mother Nature wants to be part of the show tonight. And looking at the show notes, it looks to be a long episode tonight. So we're going to be pushing probably well past an hour and a half on this one. For those of you without an Apple Watch or any plans for an Apple Watch ever, note there is going to be a bunch of gratuitous Apple Watch news and tips in this episode. But it's not all Apple Watch. The first story, while Apple Watch specific, is about Force Touch. And given Apple added Force Touch to the MacBook for its trackpad, there's a really, really good chance we'll see Force Touch on the next iPhone. So in other words, pay attention. Don't be so quick to hit the 30-second jump forward button. For anyone that has not actually experienced Force Touch yet, it's kind of like taking your touch on the screen to an 11. With the Apple native apps on the Apple Watch, when you do that in most screens, you're going to get access to hidden features and settings. That's what you use Force Touch for. iMore has an article going over some of those, like the one I mentioned on the last episode, when you Force Touch on the watch face to get to the screen where you can change and customize the watch. I'm not going to go over all the ones that iMore went over, but I, I put a link in the show notes to this article. But here are some of the others that I found that were not mentioned. In the music app, if you are on the play screen, when you force touch, you have the options of shuffling, to repeat, source, and airplay. Under source, if you have synced up music to your Apple Watch, you can choose the Apple Watch or you can choose the iPhone. If you choose the Apple Watch, you have to have a Bluetooth headset paired with the Apple Watch. For AirPlay, it does, did not seem uh, to find my Apple TV. It just listed the iPhone. Then I realized that Wi-Fi was turned off on my iPhone. So I turned Wi-Fi on for my iPhone, and then the option to AirPlay music to Apple TV showed up. One other note with the music app, uh, the digital crown is used to adjust the volume. So if you're playing music, on your iPhone, uh, you can go ahead and adjust the volume with the, the music app. From the Twitter app, if you force touch, it will allow you to create a new tweet. Same with the, the message app. Not all apps have force touch features hidden. The stock app does not appear to have any, nor does the phone app or the workout app or Instagram or TuneIn Radio but many do. So next time you are in one of the Apple Watch apps or third-party apps for the Apple Watch, try Force Touch and see what hidden features you can find. Like in the Overcast app, if you are using this one, go to an episode, uh, say go to the episode of Today in iOS and on the play screen, Force Touch, you will see two hidden options, Effects and Recommend. Please tap on Recommend for obvious reasons. For effects, you can turn on smart speed, voice boost, and also change the speed of playback. So Marco added a few nice features there via force touch. Nice job, Marco. This actually leads us to this email message. Hi, Rob. I was wondering if the Apple Watch can control the playback of podcasts. I mean, can it pause and start a podcast using either the Apple Podcast app or another third-party app? Can it control playback volume? This is important to me since I do a lot of hiking and have the phone tucked away in a pocket. Thanks for all the good work. Regards, Jim K. in Morrison, Colorado. Well, Jim, right now the Apple Podcast app does not actually have a watch app. 
However, here is a little trick I found. If you start a podcast on your iPhone with the podcast app and then go and launch the music app on the Apple Watch, you will then be able to start and stop the playback and via the digital crown, you'll be able to adjust the volume. Note, sometimes the play pause doesn't work and you have to tap it a few times, but the volume control does seem to work all the time. And you know what? The same trick will work with the TII app. So it seems if you have an app that is playing background audio on your iPhone, when you launch the music app, it can then be used to control the volume and some, uh, sometimes control the play and pause button. But you might have to tap and the play pause a few times to get it to work. Now, Jim, if you want an app that works all the time, like it is supposed to for listening to podcasts, then the Overcast app will be a key one. You just will not get the volume control, but you can use the Overcast app um, and launch it on your Apple Watch. Find the show, an episode that you want to listen to, hit play, and then go launch the music app and control the volume. So it is a two-app combo to do what you're looking for. I now keep Overcast app and the music app next to each other on my Apple Watch. Now, please note, this may be a temporary solution as it may be a bug on the music app allowing it to control other apps. Let's hope no one from Apple listening right now goes and reports this bug because as I see it, it's not a bug, but rather it's a feature. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. So how do I bulk delete messages on my watch? Any idea? I get several dozen per day. Not only can't I find a way to bulk delete, but it seems like each deletion requires a two-step process. Thanks and regards, Steve and Port Jeff. I replied to Steve and I said, from the main clock screen, swipe down from the top and then force touch and choose clear all, which is a big X in a circle. Um, I think that's what you're looking for. And then he replied back, thanks, Rob. Wow, that is cool. But if you go to the message app on the phone, you will see that they are still there. All the text messages keep just piling up in messages. Regards, Steve. So now I'm going to throw this out there. If anyone has any suggestions for Steve, please let us know. You can call us, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. At my son's track meet last weekend while timing the 100-meter race, I noticed a shortcoming on the default stopwatch app. The problem is that the watch goes into sleep mode after just a few seconds after you press the start timing button. So you need to make sure you keep the watch screen active so that you are ready to stop timing. Perhaps a software update will resolve this, but I'm not holding my breath. Regards, Mark. Hi, Rob. I received my 42-millimeter Apple Watch Sport on Friday 24th and have been enjoying it thus far. I have a weird thing that is happening. My wife and I share Apple's IDs, but have each of our devices to send message from their perspective numbers. When I send a drawing to my friend's Apple Watch, the number that appears is my wife's number. I send a default text message, a voice transcribe message, or animated emoji. The number that appears on his watch is my phone number. I unpaired um, both both watches and restored it to factory settings, then repaired my watch with my iPhone and have the same issue. I realized that I can have my wife create her own Apple ID and add her via family sharing, but I'd rather not have to go through the pain of re-downloading all her apps. 
I have already contacted Apple support, but I'm curious if anyone else is seeing this and has a solution. Thanks, Howard. Again, I'll send that out to anyone. If anyone has any ideas there for Howard, give us a call or send us an email. And Tim Galloway over in the Google Plus community actually did reply to him and said, quote, it's not the Apple ID, it's the iCloud ID. Just have your wife use her own iCloud ID. She can stay signed into iTunes Store with the ID that you currently share, unquote. Well, Tim, thanks for being so proactive. A couple of episodes ago, I mentioned an article from CNET titled 11 Surprises I Learned About the Apple Watch. And this was from a writer that was given a pre-release Apple Watch to test out. So I wanted to revisit that article now that I have had it almost two weeks with my wrist under the Apple Watch. One item was some tactic sensations were too subtle. That's what he said. And that you needed to make it prominent haptic as, you know, as high up on the haptic scale as you can get it. And yep, I felt the same way. The normal settings were just not jarring enough for me to notice all the time. Basically, you need to turn it up to 11 to really notice it. Hopefully, via software updates, that will get even more prominent. Uh, per vibrations, the Pebble has the Apple Watch beat. Sorry, folks. He also found Siri very useful, and I agree. I think the Siri integration is where the Apple Watch clearly trumps the Pebble. If you want to check the score of the Royals game, for instance, or the starting time of the game, it's a simple query to Siri, and I have my answer. He found it shocking that you cannot start and stop calls on your phone. I agree. That is shocking and a major oversight, something you can easily do with the Pebble. So after having the Apple Watch for almost two weeks, I would have to say that Scott Stein's article was pretty good, and I have a link to it in the show notes. Oh, the power of the link bait. If you've listened before, you probably have heard me bemoan the practice known as link baiting. And oh boy, do we have a doozy this time. Here is the title. Quote, Apple Watch component found defective, report says. Unquote. And that is from USA Today. Yikes! Makes it sound like something in your Apple Watch is defective, right? Well, no. Do you remember that exercise you had to do in high school for one of those standardized tests? It was where you read a few paragraphs, and then you had to pick the title that best matched up what you just read? Well, per this article, that title would have gotten you a failing grade if you picked it. Here is what the title of the article should have been. Quote, lack of key component limited Apple Watch supply at launch, unquote. That is right. That is correct. There were no Apple Watches shipped with the faulty component. It was something Apple found well before shipping started, and it was the Taptic engine from one of their two suppliers, the one from China. Apple supposedly found during accelerated life testing that the Taptic engine from China failed too often, while the other ones from their Japanese supplier were fine. And that is the only one that went out to consumers. Again, this is not about a component in your Apple Watch that was found defective. It was a component that never made it in your Apple Watch as it was discovered to be defective in accelerated life testing prior to mass production. And this is one of the key reasons that Apple did not have more Apple Watches available at launch. So shame on you, USA Today, for the purposely misleading title to your article or what we call link bait journalism. 
Apple has launched a made-for-Apple Watch program, which offers design guidelines for third-party band designers. And right now, the made-for-Apple Watch program is just for band designers. But there is speculation it will soon be opened up for third-party charger and stand designers and other accessories to the Apple Watch, which is, well, an accessory to the iPhone. However, no word on what that hidden port is that we've talked about before and if third parties can access it. But there are others out there claiming to have straps coming that take advantage of that port to offer faster charging options. But it sounds like uh, they will not be getting that official made for Apple Watch MFAW seal of approval. Hey, one thing that is not made for Apple Watch is tattoos. According to Apple, quote, Permanent or temporary changes to your skin, such as some tattoos, can also impact the heart rate sensor performance. The ink, pattern, and saturation of some tattoos can block light from the sensor, making it difficult to get a reliable reading. Unquote. So what are your choices? Well, you could move it to the other wrist if it's not inked up. But if the top of both wrists are inked up, your next alternative for getting heartbeat reading would be via a wireless Bluetooth um, heart rate monitor. And you can pair that to your Apple Watch. Some have asked about wearing it on the bottom or the inside of your wrist. Apple does not recommend that and says the readings are not as accurate on the inside of your wrist. Others that have tested it on the inside of the wrist have found during cardio workouts, the readings do not match up to the cardio equipment. But simple sliding it to the top of the wrist, as recommended, brought the Apple Watch back in sync with the third-party cardio monitors. So if you want an accurate reading, it's got to be on the top of the wrist. If your top of both of your wrists are inked, then you're probably best going getting a third-party heart rate monitor. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. You haven't really opinioned yet about iOS 8.3. Seems mixed reviews. I've held off for now, waiting for a thumbs up from you. Can you tell us what you think on your next episode? Regards, Jim K. Well, Jim, I recommend that you do upgrade to 8.3. From what I've heard from most people is that it has gone well for them. It's worked very well for me for all the devices I've updated. So I would recommend at this point, unless you're planning to jailbreak, that you go ahead and upgrade to iOS 8.3. Now, I did get a few people that emailed in asking about my opinion of the Apple Watch and if I recommend it. Well, here goes. Here's my opinion. I really do like my Apple Watch a lot. I wear it all day, every day, and I have not even started trying it out with Bluetooth headphones yet. That'll be this week coming up. More on that on the next episode with regards to Bluetooth headphones and your Apple Watch. Also look for an unboxing video in the TII app for the Bluetooth headphones that I just received to test out today. So is the Apple Watch for everyone? Absolutely not. First off, do you even want something on your wrist? If the answer is no, stay away. Because once you get it, you will find yourself compelled to keep it on your wrist all the time. Assuming you are someone that wore a watch uh, or is wearing a watch, should you get the Apple Watch or go with the Pebble? That really comes down to what do you want to do with it. If your primary need is for glances feature where you look down and see a new message or an email, or a phone call that's coming in, or some time, the time or temperature, well then the Pebble does just fine and is a lot cheaper and has a significantly better battery life than the Apple Watch. If, however, you're looking for a device that is more a remote screen for your iPhone, 
something that is interactive where you can answer a call and take that via the watch, where you can reply to text messages or send a tweet or ask Siri a basic question, where you can actually get it to work with your phone to take pictures, where you can measure your heart rate and your steps and tie that all back to the health app, then the Apple Watch will trump the pebble. If you are looking for a device where you don't need the iPhone and can go out jogging and listen to music while you're on a jog and have it measure your steps and your heart rate at the same time, then clearly the Apple Watch is for you. Is the Apple Watch perfect? No. Is it better than the Pebble? In most cases, yes, but not in all cases. I'll say this. I have not turned on my Pebble since I've had my Apple Watch. But I'll add, the Pebble did seem to handle receiving push messages better for texts and emails, and allowed me to answer my phone on my phone via the Pebble, which to me is the biggest missing feature at this time on the Apple Watch, and something I would guess they'll address in a future software update. So am I recommending it for everyone? No. But for many, if not most iPhone users, it will provide an extra level of interaction with your iPhone that allow you to keep your phone tucked away a little more than you're currently doing. And I do believe as apps develop for it, you will see more and more use cases to justify the purchase of one. It is still early in the life cycle and the number of apps are very small now compared to where they're gonna be by the end of just this summer. And if you're still on the fence, don't feel bad. It's not like you can walk into the store and impulse buy one yet anyway. Keep listening to future episodes, and we will have more and more feedback, I am sure, good and bad, on the Apple Watch, including a lot of feedback about the overall experience of the Apple Watch and how it helps you. As we mentioned at the top of the show, this episode is brought to you by Lynda, the online learning platform with over 3,300 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash TII. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII. Lynda is for problem solvers, the curious, for people who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to master Excel, learn negotiation tactics, build a website, or boost your Photoshop skills. Go to lynda.com slash TII and feed your curious mind. Some of the courses I think you, or many of you, are going to find of benefit are iPhone and iPad Security Fundamentals by Nick Braz, iPhone and iPad Photography with iOS 8 by Sean Duggan, and Getting Started with MakerBot 3D Printers by Casey Hultgren, because, again, you guys need, and women, need to make your own newsstands and cases for your Apple Watch and iOS devices. One new tutorial I saw that came out uh, this past week is Up and Running with Apple Watch. This is a 40-minute video that takes you over configuring and setting up your Apple Watch using glances, customizing the watch faces, receiving notifications, and more. Definitely check it out if you have an Apple Watch or want to see it in action and what is involved in setting it up. With a lynda.com membership, you can download tutorials and watch them on the go, including access on your iOS device, stream over 3,300 video courses on demand, and learn on your own schedule. Watch and learn from top experts who are passionate about teaching. Courses are structured so you can watch them from start to finish or consume them in bite-sized pieces. Your Linda membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you just want to learn something new, 
I want you to visit lynda.com slash TII and sign up for a free 10-day trial. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring the show. Hi, Rob. This is Jonathan from New Orleans. Two episodes back, I uh, called and said that I ordered two Apple Watches. And at the time, Apple said that the watch I ordered from my girlfriend would come in between April 24th and May 8th, and that my black or space gray aluminum one wouldn't come in until May 8th through uh, 20-something. I was a little disappointed, but then all of a sudden, this uh, past Sunday, I got a notification saying that mine was preparing to ship. And so a couple days later, I now have my Apple Watch, and I'm loving the heck of it. And I'm actually calling you from it right now. I hope you can uh, hear me well. I guess we'll find out soon enough. Also, my girlfriend got me a Harry's razor, and it was incredible. I had no idea shaving could actually be a nice thing or fun to do. So I'm a believer now. Love the show. I'll definitely call and uh, give some more Apple Watch feedback after I've had a little more time with it. Jonathan, thanks for the feedback and for supporting one of our sponsors. Switching gears, I had a couple people mention that they missed out on the free month trial of HBO Now. Yep, that monthly free trial has ended at the end of April. However, if you sign up today, you'll get a free seven-day trial. I did sign up, as I mentioned, I was going to, and I did it via my Apple TV. Now, when I want to also look at HBO Now on my computer, um, I found out I had to select a choice where you've signed up via Apple TV and use the same email address when you re-register. So you actually have to re-register. It does make you do that um, if you want access on the computer. You don't repay, but you do need to re-register. At least I hope I didn't have to repay. We'll find out when the credit card bill comes. Just because you sign up on Apple TV does not mean your username and password will work on an iOS device or computer right away when it comes to HBO Now. You do need to go via your computer and re-register. You might be able to re-register on your iOS device, but I didn't find that location. And really, I stopped looking once I did it on the computer. Anyway, I'm now into Season 5 of Game of Thrones. I'm watching that when I work out via my computer. And I'm on season one with the wife when we bulk watch on Apple TV in the bedroom. Kind of fun watching two different timelines, reminding me a lot of stuff I had forgotten. Into the email bag we go. Hey Rob, each episode you mentioned that the artwork for that episode can be seen in iTunes. For me, that's true, but I have to kind of hunt for it by going into get info. Otherwise, I just see the attached. And I think, and it just showed me that the standard artwork for the show. I think in the past that the TII podcast icon used to change each episode, but now the attached has been that way for months. Is there a way I can automatically see each episode's artwork without having to go digging for it, i.e. the way for the podcast icon to change each week? Uh, and regards, Rob. Well, the answer, Rob, is no, it, there's... Not any way with iTunes to do it easily. However, in the TII app, it's really easy to see the artwork for each episode. iTunes, again, has made it more and more difficult to find individual episode artwork 
each time they update iTunes. And the podcast app, you can't see it at all. Nothing I can really do on that front, as it's an iTunes podcast UI issue change. But on the TI app and at facebook.com forward slash podcast 411 and facebook.com forward slash today and iOS and in the Google Plus communities, I make sure to put the artwork up there for each episode for all to see. And I just started an Instagram account, I know, finally, to also put artwork out after each episode. Go to Instagram.com slash Today and iOS. I have a few recent episode artworks up there already, and we'll work to get more out of the older episodes as, as I have time to allow to do that. And going forward again, as new episodes come out, I will update the artwork in Instagram. So please make sure to follow Today in iOS on Instagram if you are an Instagram user. Hi, Rob. I have a question about iCloud Photo Library. I just don't understand it fully. Why all the photos on iCloud do they have to sync to my 6 Plus? It's more than 45 gigs of photos, and I don't need that. Also, I have the same iCloud account with the wife, but if I select iCloud Library on her phone, she will get my pics. So now, uh, so how can I save her pics without selecting to sync to iCloud? Or can I upload them to iCloud but not sync mine to her phone? I don't know. It's just so complicated, and I feel Apple made it worse. Anyway, love the show. Take care. Jose M. Well, for any power users out there of iCloud, if you have some suggestions for Jose, please give us a call or send us an email. Let us know your thoughts. I personally do not use iCloud for my photo syncing for some of those reasons. I just personally like to physically sync to my computer and manage a folder and list of which photos that I want to sync back and forth. So for different devices, I have different amount of photos syncing back and forth, or in some cases, none. And in the case of my wife's iPad mini, all photos get synced to it. Back to the email bag. Hey, Rob and TII listeners, has anyone bought or used a flash drive designed for use with iOS via the lightning port? It appears that the best reviews are posted for SansDisk, I was considering buying one, even though they are a bit pricey. The added storage space and convenience might be a good thing, although Dropbox and other cloud services may negate the need for such devices. What do you think? Thanks for all you do. Regards, Tammy near St. Louis. Well, hi, Tammy. On the past episodes, we have talked a little bit about iStick. This is something that will work with the Lightning port. Pricing runs from $80 for an 8-gig version to $350 for a 128-gig version. They also have 16, 32, and 64 gig versions in between those price points. Just Google iStick, I-S-T-I-C-K, and there is an app that you'll need to use with it. That's a free app in the App Store, also by the name of iStick. On a side note, it is a lightning dongle on one side, and on the other side, it is a standard USB dongle. Again, something we've talked about and gotten some feedback on in previous episodes, but the way it will work, you plug it into your computer from one side, transfer files over, turn around, plug the lightning port into your iPhone, transfer photos and other things around. So iStick, check it out, Tammy. I think that's what you're looking for. How you doing, Rob? My name is Chase Johns. I'm based out of San Francisco, California. I was wondering if you knew anybody that does app development for phones. I have an idea for this app, and um, I came to my brother with the idea and, and uh, was 
wondering if he knew anybody. Um, he recommended me to you. And so if you you could be any assistance, that would be great. Um, if, even if you know somebody, if not yourself, that knows how to create these apps, I would love to work with somebody. My name is Chase Johns again, and my email is chasejohns, that's C-H-A-S-E-J-O-H-N-S, 07 at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon. Have a good day. Chase, thanks for calling in. I have a feeling you're probably not going to hear this, but Chase's brother, I hope you do hear this. And let me just say this. Having a good idea is not, that's the easy part. That's the 5% or 2% is the inspiration. The 98% is the development part of it. So having a good idea alone is not going to do it. If you don't know how to develop, then you need to have a good idea and money to pay a developer. Do not expect a developer to work for you for free because you have a great idea. They're not going to do that. They have too many people with great ideas and not enough ability to develop. If you have a good idea and you want your app developed, expect to pay for a developer. Do not expect a developer to go, that's a great idea. I want to do that for you and just give me a small percentage cut of your revenue because you're going to make millions. It's not going to happen because people don't make millions and most apps, even if the idea sounds good, most apps never turn a real profit. So First thing I'll say to you is I put your email out there and maybe one of the developers that listens to this will contact you, but expect to have to pay developers. They're not going to do it for you for free. And really that little soapbox there was not just directed at Chase. I get that question quite a bit from people and I just want to let everybody know that having a great idea alone isn't enough. You have to have a great idea and the skill to develop or the great idea and money to pay a developer with those skills. And if you are a developer listening and you have those skills, you might want to follow up with Chase, but let him know right up front when you contact him what you charge and let him know from the beginning that he's going to have to pay to get his app developed so that there's no ambiguity and no confusion. Let the let him know and let anybody know that contacts you. I'm sure you guys already know that. But anyway, follow up with Chase if you're a developer, someone, please. Thanks. We are now over 2,000 members on our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined, and thanks for the great post, folks. One new item in the Google Plus community that went up since the last episode came out was from Carly Goldman, and they wrote, Can someone tell me, does the new Apple Watch actually count your steps? Unquote. And Steve Russell replied with, Yes, displays them in the activity app. Mark Page said, From the user guide, Quote, your iPhone GPS allows Apple Watch to achieve even more distance accuracy. For example, if you carry your iPhone while using the workout app on a run, Apple Watch uses the phone's GPS to calibrate your stride. The watch can use stored data to calculate distance and properly estimate stride from your, your weight and height inputs when no GPS is available, such as indoors and when that watch is not connected to the phone. Unquote. Seems the Apple Watch does do a good job at measuring steps as Consumer Reports tested it while using someone that was actually had a counter ticking away each time they took a step, and the Apple Watch was very accurate. And since, well, the last episode, there have been also dozens and dozens of other new posts in the TII Google Plus community, which is an Android fanboys free zone and spammer free zone. Yep, it is the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com community to join in.
And thanks to all 2,000 plus of you already in the community and contributing. Also from the community, I liked this post from Kareem Haskett. Quote, I discovered an excellent feature on the Apple Watch. Because the watch receives and delivers info from the health app, it allows info to be pushed into the Jawbone Up app and vice versa. Since the Jawbone Up app also received and delivers info to the health app, and since I have the Apple Watch now, I no longer wear the Jawbone as a step counter since the watch is tracking that for me. When I go to bed, I plug the watch in and put the Jawbone Up on so that I can take, uh, so it can track my sleep. All of this info is automatically pushed into the Jawbone Up app for me to view and share with my connections. Another cool feature is that the Activities app on the watch tracks activities from your other apps like RunKeeper since they all write to this health app. Originally, I thought I would have to use the Workout app for it to track my exercises. Unquote. Thanks, Kareem, for that feedback. And good to see that there's a lot of nice interaction going on and data being pushed and pulled. Some good news for the iOS world from Kantar World Panel whom show that iOS is increasing market share in key European nations, mostly at the expense of Android. From Q1 2014 to Q1 2015, the iPhone increased its market share in Germany, Britain, France, Italy, and Spain from 18.6% to 20.3%, while Android dropped from 71.5% to 68.4%. Still, it's an over 3 to 1 ratio Android to iOS in those five countries. Of course, once we start talking about profit share, then all those numbers are meaningless because Apple dominates that part of the equation, where Apple has almost all of the profit in the cellular market, not just the smartphone market, but the cellular market. And at the end of the day, it's all about profits, not market share. But still nice to see a bump up in market share data as well. Hey, you know what? Comscore is not going to let Kantar get all the attention this week. So they released their numbers as well. What they found in the U.S. in December 2014, the end of that quarter, for total smartphone subscribers, Android was at 53.1% versus iOS's 41.6%. But by the end of the March quarter 2015, Android had dropped to 52.4% and iOS had risen to 42.6%. Again, that's in the U.S. only. If you look at Apple v. Samsung in the U.S., it is Apple with 42.6% versus Sammy with 28.3%. Apple again going up that one point in the last quarter, while Sammy dropped 1.4 points in the quarter. In the U.S., if you are looking at the top of the smartphone market, Apple really totally dominates. As a lot of that 53.1%, Android scored that on the low-end free giveaway type phones. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I thought this article was neat. Regards, Chelsea. Well, thanks, Chelsea, for the link to the article that's titled Blind Gamers Are Embracing Developers Who Have an Eye for Accessibility. Unquote. They point out in the article, per the title, that some devs of games are making their apps more accessible. And one such app is King of Dragon Pass. It's a $9.99 app. One comment about that game was this, quote, it's the best example of a formerly inaccessible PC game made fully playable on iOS thanks to Apple's voiceover screen reader, unquote. Another app they mentioned in the game is the game A Dark Room, just 99 cents. 
And there are others that are mentioned in the article is definitely worth a read if you or someone you know is visually impaired and looking for some apps that are well-designed to take advantage of iOS's accessibility features. Thanks to Chris in London for this next one, which is about Apple giving access to some app developers to try out the new app analytics tool for the App Store. This is something announced at WWDC last year, so you know, talk about getting it out in the 11th hour, in this case, the 11th month. Anyways, this tracks how people find the devs' apps and how long they use them. It also tracks traffic to an app's page and then lets them know if they are downloading it or not. Obviously, if lots of people are visiting your page and few click the download button, you have some metadata or price adjustments to make. But if no one is visiting your page, then you have some marketing adjustments to make. I know I look forward to seeing this info for my TI app and some other podcast apps. Right now, it's just being offered to a small number of devs, and you needed to request early access. If anyone has been given early access, please call or email your feedback. I will not mention your name or the app if you don't want me to but love to hear your thoughts on it and the tools and uh, is it helping you? And, and what are you doing with that data? Thanks again to Chris in London for this next one. And hey, it's rumor time, which means no Apple Watch info. Yay. Nope, this time it's about the Apple TV. One of the key parts of the rumor is that the Apple TV remote will be totally redesigned with just two buttons, but with a touchpad. It will be wider and around the same length as the current uh, remote, and it'll be just a little thicker as well. The Apple TV is supposed to be announced and launched at WWDC in June, and the Apple TV itself will be thinner than the current unit. Again, it is rumored it will not support 4K video, but will have an A8 chip inside, and it will be supporting a future rollout of Apple's upcoming web TV service offering and its music streaming service. Some, however, think the Apple remote may not be changing, rather staying as is or very close to it. They claim a touchpad would make it more complex and goes against the main design principle of minimalist design that's always been applied to Apple TV. That said, Apple has a long way to go to catch up to the Google TV remote with its 78 buttons. I remember showing my wife a picture of it when it came out, and she said she would shoot me if I had that as a remote for our TV. It's the old axiom. Google designs for Google engineers, Apple designs for everyone else in the world. Hey, more rumors. This time, the iPad Maxi, or it's the iPad Pro, or the iPad 12.9 inch, whatever it's going to be called. And the rumors on it this time are it will include Force Touch, which is probably a safe bet, since that seems to be the way of the future for Apple and all their products. It would also have a Bluetooth stylus with pressure sensitivity to support Force Touch. It would also have a USB-C connector and NFC. No word on when it would be released and if the USB-C connector is in place of the lightning port or in addition to it. If there is a USB-C port, my guess is it will be in addition to it. That said, I could see there being two different lightning ports, one for landscape docking and one for portrait docking to make it easier to use with a Bluetooth keyboard, which will be I think key in any corporate use case, which is what that's going to be designed for. Google released a report or ebook titled Android Security 2014 Year Interview. 
I don't know if they broke any laws by putting the word Android and security next to each other, but seems inappropriate. One interesting stat I found was this. 0.5% of devices had a PHA installed. What's a PHA? It stands for Potentially Harmful Application. Yes, they use that phrase so often they had to give it an acronym. And it is only mentioned 80 times in the report. Nice. But hey, 0.5% is a small number, right? Well, no, it's a small percentage of a large number. And as they also talked about over 1 billion devices, that means 0.5% is 5 million Android devices having a PHA. Oh, and if you're in Russia, then there are around 3.5% of devices with a PHA installed. If you don't look at units that sideload apps, uh, those that do look at numbers for sideloading, that number, then it's around 5% for Russia and almost 10% for China with a PHA. Yep, it was an exciting read. If you're suffering from insomnia, link in the show notes for episode 346 at todayinios.com. Just look for that one where Android and security are next to each other in the title. Hey, Rob, this is uh, Dan Curtin out in Los Angeles area. Just wanted to float a theory by you. I noticed that since I've gotten my 6 Plus, I barely use my iPad any longer because the screen on the 6 Plus is so good. So I wanted to float that idea as to one of the reasons that the iPad sales are slowing down or declining. Okay? Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hi, Dan. Thanks for the feedback. Now, unfortunately, your theory isn't right. And how do we know it's not right? Well, if you go back into the last episode, 345, and look in the bonus section in the TI app. So you need the TI app, go into episode 345, go to the bonus for episode 345 for the PDF, and you will see a chart in there that says sales last four quarters uh, for the iPad sales. And you will see that the sales peaked in... Q1 2013, and looking at the last four quarters of sales. And then after that, it kind of went flat. Now it started to decline a little bit, but really flattened out in 2013. So it was two years, or Q1, it was about a year and a half before the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus launched, that there really was a flattening out and the start of the decline of iPad sales. So Yes, you're right. You're not using your iPad as much. I'm not using my iPad as much. I have the 6 to 6 Plus. But that decline started 18 months prior to the iPhone 6, 6 Plus being launched. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. Do you know the price and availability of the Sennheiser MKE2 Digital that you spoke about on episode 345 and played the clip from? Thanks, TH. Hi, TH. The availability is July. They said the price was more professional grade. Was not sure what that meant, but I went around and found online kind of what that meant. And oh yeah, uh, price <laughs> so far that I found on it is $499. That's the sale price with a quote list price unquote of over $600. Yikes! Okay, that was a bit tad more than I expected. Sorry about that. Or better to wait some time and see if the price comes down on that. Hi, Rob. I'm a devout Apple fan and have been following your podcast for a very long time and just finished listening to episode 344. Thanks for all you do. I'm always upgrading to the latest iOS devices, and whilst I'm not disappointed with the products, I'm getting disgruntled that features that encourage me to upgrade my device often never come to fruition outside the U.S. 
There's constantly talk of new features, but here in the UK, we still don't have iTunes Radio or Apple Pay. Already there's talk of iOS 9, yet some of the main features for iOS 7 and iOS 8 still don't work in the UK. Come on, Apple, spend some time bringing us the features we paid for. Thanks for being your voice. Best regards, Anthony. Anthony, not really much I can say other than I know it takes them a long time to get the record label deals in place uh, for especially iTunes Radio. But yeah, it's, it is frustrating when I see that they're launching this new service and I know it's only for one or two or three countries sometimes at the most. And Apple Pay, you know, again, it was a while for Apple Pay to launch before it finally was accepted in, in the country outside the U.S. Hello, Rob. It's Shannon in Arizona. I just wanted to give a quick review on the Passbook app on the iPhone. I have an iPhone 6. My wife has the iPhone 5. Uh, recently, we flew from Arizona to San Diego just for a couple day getaway, she and I. And the night before, we checked in with the airline and got our boarding passes loaded up on our phones. And the next day, uh, standing in security line, we were both getting a little nervous because we saw nothing but a sea of boarding passes, the paper boarding passes, and she kept asking me, are you sure this is all we need? I- I'm, I'm nervous. I'm afraid we're going to need more. But I said, no, I, th- I think we're good. And then sure enough, uh, I kept, I finally kept looking and, and uh, spotted a couple of people with just their phones. And we went through security with no problems, laid our phone down, face down on the scanner, showed them our ID, and away we went. And then low, uh, boarding the, the plane was the same, you know, smooth transition we just held our phone under the scanner and beep it went and away we went coming home was also the same thing so i admit that i was a little nervous uh, we didn't know what we were doing or we didn't think we knew what we were doing but turns out it worked great and uh, just one more reason to love the iphone and uh, apple products thanks rob just wanted to let you know that talk to you later man take care thanks shannon for your feedback there into the email bag we go Hi, Rob. I was one of the winners of your promo code giveaway for the app DustCalc a few episodes back. Thank you very much. I want to say how useful I am finding the app and highly recommend it. I believe the price is only $1.19 in Canada, $0.99 in the U.S. The main features of this calculator app that is not included on the stock calc app is the virtual digital tape showing what numbers and totals you've punched in. The obvious reasons for wanting this feature is to verify that you keyed in the numbers correctly. However, some additional and not so obvious features I found are to look back at the tape later to review these calculations. For example, step one, calculate your income for the year. Step two, calculate your tax deduction expense. Step three, calculate or subtract expense from income to get net income. When done, you can email the tape to yourself or whomever uh, to review later and also add notations to these numbers if desired. During a recent renovation, I used DeskCalc app when measuring the length of several baseboards needed for all rooms. I then used the total of these numbers as the builder at the builder supply store, helping me to estimate quantity of baseboards needed and then when cutting baseboards to size i had my final cutting list right in my pocket the last feature i'll mention is the four button memory feature that is not included on the stock calc app when in portrait orientation uh, i find the four button memory feature very useful on occasions as well 
the DeskCalc app is my now go-to calculator app. Regards, Lyle in British Columbia, Canada. Hi, Rob. I'm in Canada and ordered a white sport band Apple Watch yesterday morning. Two to three week shipping estimate was told it would be delivered by June 4th. However, it shipped today. Just thought I'd share in case the long ship dates were putting anybody off. Regards, Daniel S. Hey, Rob, it's Gary from Kennedy Township, Pennsylvania. I am going to wait to get my Apple Watch just so they can get the kinks worked out of it. I've watched a few YouTube videos and listened to a few podcasts. They said there is some issues with Siri, as well as some people have had to reset their watches, as you may have mentioned on this most recent podcast. But I wanted to clarify that there are additional options when using your watch as a phone. You mentioned about not being able to answer it on your iPhone. You can do it, but it's not very intuitive. It's not in plain sight. When your call comes in, if you swipe up on your watch screen, it says you can leave a text that says, I'm at work, I'm at a meeting, etc. But there's another option that says, answer on iPhone. If you tap that, your caller gets put on hold and gets treated to a series of beeps as a hold tone. Maybe they will put Siri on there in future updates. I don't know, but that gives you an opportunity to go get your phone and then take the call from there. Just thought I'd let you know about that. And I definitely can't wait to get mine. Talk to you later. Bye. Hi, Gary. Thanks for the feedback. The sad part is it doesn't really allow you to answer on the iPhone. I mean, well, it only lets you answer on the iPhone. It doesn't answer on the Apple Watch so you can talk on the iPhone. It just, as you say, puts some the call basically on hold while it's still ringing on your iPhone. And you still need to physically on your iPhone answer the call or via the earbuds if you've got the earbuds in and click on the button to answer. But it doesn't actually answer on the iPhone like a Pebble does. I was looking around Kickstarter this past week for something unique or different for iOS devices, and I came across a project called Icons by Corners 4, with icons actually spelled I-C-O-N-S. This is for the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus, and it is a way to protect your iPhone, but not hide its beauty. What it is is simply four items or nubs or corner protectors that go, obviously, one on each corner. And then they have a decent height above and below the device such that if you drop your iPhone, they will keep the screen from ever hitting the ground and thus protecting the screen. This is a neat way to protect the screen, but at the same time, not get all in the way of the beauty of the iPhone. And the corner protectors are cool looking as well. One is called Forsaken, and it's a basically a skull with the Punisher. Think the Punisher. Another is called Dragon, and think a castle tower in its design. And there are a few others. They claim they have a special adhesive from 3M to create a strong bond with the surface of your phone without damaging it. They do state on their site it's not going to damage the surface of the phone. And you can remove them if needed, but in regular use, they're not going to come off on their own. It looks like they already have the product available for the iPhone 4 and 4S and the 5 and the 5S. 
If anyone has purchased these for the 4 and the 4S or the 5 and 5S, please call in with your review of your icon. Pricing on this starts at $39 for the original design, $45 for the Dragon and Prism design. The Forsaken, aka Skull, design is $55. I do like this concept and the designs. Right now, they are a little light on the funding with just $3,000 towards their goal of $20,000, but they do have 38 days to get the extra 17K. This one goes until June 14th at 12.28 p.m. Central Time. If you are looking for good protection and also something that does not get in the way of the, you know, the plug for plugging into the lightning port or doesn't get in the way of the beauty of the device, this is a good option. I would still suggest a, sc a glass screen protector as well, which is a question I put to them on Kickstarter is, will they work with glass screen protectors? And their response was this. Hi, Rob. Thank you for your interest and support for Icons by Corners 4. The Icons will be manufactured to pretty exacting tolerances. They need to snugly fit with the iPhone to accommodate the custom-designed 3M adhesive, and that keeps them in place. This is a system we are using successfully for our original Corners 4, Many of our customers use thin 2mm screen protectors. It makes the installation a little tighter, but it works just fine. Some glass protectors are 3 plus millimeters and can present a challenge. This has been a very minor issue for us. Again, thank you for your help, and if there are any other questions, I can answer fire away. Regards, Steve W. Well, thanks, Steve, for the reply. So, folks, search for icon on uh, kickstarter.com or in the show notes for episode 346 over at todayinios.com. Into the email bag we go. Hi Rob, my name is Marcus and I am a longtime listener of the show. I work as an iOS dev and would like to thank you for the podcast, which gave me inspiration and information that helped me creating better user experience when developing iOS apps. The app HiCast that I've been personally working on contains all the hot features for podcast players. And on top of that, the menu tab was created to address one hand operation to work best with big screens like the iPhone 6 Plus. It provides an easy way for people to share their favorite bookmarks on different podcasts so that your shows can be shared by listeners much easier than ever before. Most importantly, there will be no cost to download or to use this app. Hope you like it. Thanks a lot. Regards, Marcus Chow. And Marcus's app is, again, it's called HiCast, and it's spelled H-I-C-A-S-T. One word, H-I-C-A-S-T. Thanks, Marcus. Hey, Rob. This is Len in San Diego. I was listening to a recent episode, and you mentioned that in the morning, you wake up and you paddle through your calendar. And you look for things on your calendar, and then you go out and set an alarm for each item so that you don't miss any calendar items. Well, what I do is I enter all of my calendar items into a Google Calendar. I know you're not a big fan of Google, but if you use their calendar system, you can set it up where every time you add an event to your calendar, it automatically adds reminders on that event. So, for example, my default alerts that I have configured in my personal calendar, which get 
set up automatically each time I enter an event are send me an email 24 hours in advance, send me an email one hour in advance, send me a text message 15 minutes in advance to my cell phone, and I also have one more alert uh, that makes the phone ring. I guess it's a calendar alert. It also makes my browser go off on my computer. Anyway, that system makes it real nice because all I have to do is add an event to my calendar, and I know I will be reminded four times automatically. Hope you like my tip, and thanks for the show. Hey, Rob, this is Gil calling from Boston. I have peculiar behavior from Siri that I would like to bring up and possibly throw out as a challenge to your large audience. The issue came up the other day when I was talking with my wife about vacations that we were planning, and she suggested that I take off Friday, June 12th as a vacation day so we can take a long weekend. And she said, would you look into that at work tomorrow? So I said to Siri, remind me at 11 o'clock tomorrow to check for availability of vacation on June 12th. And what Siri said was, okay, here is your reminder. And the reminder was for 9 a.m. on June 12th to check for vacation availability. Well, if I wait till then, I'll never get the day off. And I tried doing this a number of different ways. And no matter what I did, whenever I said to Siri, remind me to check this, that it ended up If I said June 12th, anywhere in that, no matter how I worded it, it set the reminder for June 12th and wouldn't let me remind myself tomorrow. So I finally gave up and just did the reminder manually. But I'm wondering, is there some way I could have done it? And has anybody come up with a clever way of doing it? The only way I could think of later was to say something that would remind me or cue me into June 12th without actually saying that date such as at 11 o'clock tomorrow reminds me to check for a vacation on the 12th moon of Jupiter, uh, which would be a great vacation if I could take it, but I don't think I'd really want to go there and I'd have to take a lot more than an extended weekend off. Anyway, love the show. Um, If anybody can figure this out for me, it's not really a big issue, but it's something, how do you get around the the quirkiness of Siri sometime? Talk to you later. Bye. If anyone has any suggestions for Gil, please give us a call or shoot us an email. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. I'm a new listener to your show and have been really enjoying it for the last couple of months. Two questions on cellular settings in iOS 8.2, going to wait a bit on 8.3, which I use on my T-Mobile 5S. I have some apps that function quite well completely offline, like Downcast, for example, since I download rather than stream my podcasts, including yours. iOS, however, is determined on reminding me the split second I open the app when I'm not at home on my Wi-Fi network that cellular data is turned off for Downcast or whatever other app I'm opening. Since I'm not a good jailbreaker candidate, is there any other way to turn off these annoying pop-ups? Yes, thank you, iOS, but... I have a very good reason for having cellular data turned off. I don't need or want it for this app. My own Wi-Fi is fine and dandy, thank you. Two, closely related to this. 
is the same pop-up every time I open uh, the settings menu when I'm not on Wi-Fi. Is there any benefit to having cellular data turned on for the entire setting menu? And yes, I'm a cheapskate when it comes to data. I plead guilty as charged, your honor. Thanks in advance for your help and all useful tips uh, you and fellow listeners put out there for us each week. Regards, Brian in Claremont, Florida. Brian, thanks for the vo- or the email message. And I, off top of my, I don't know any solution for you there other than jailbreaking. But if anyone out there does know a solution for Brian, please give us a call or shoot us an email. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob and fellow TI listeners. I'd like to get feedback on using a magnet type mount in a rough riding vehicle like a big truck or rough riding pickup, etc. that it really does hold the iPhone in place. Thanks for your feedback. Regards, Mike R. And well, folks, please call or email us if you have done any testing of a good magnetic type mount that survives off-roading especially if it holds your iPhone in place even after you run into a tree because you were trying to look at the screen while driving off-road. Just saying. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I've used McTube for some time to download videos from YouTube to save and watch offline. It doesn't work anymore with the YouTube rules for third-party apps and how they've changed. Do you have any suggestions or workaround? Would prefer not to jailbreak. Will I have to? Regards, Nick. Most likely going to have to, but if anyone does know a non-jailbroken app out there for downloading YouTube videos right from the iPhone, please let us know, give us a call, or shoot us an email. Hey Rob, this is Bob from Babylon, getting back to you on my iOS issues with voiceover. I upgraded to iOS 8.3. I didn't. I, I did it pretty quick because 8.2 was, was very annoying to me. A lot of the issues have gone away. There's still a couple... One that's probably the most annoying or urgent or whatever you want to say about it is the when I receive a call during the call, if I put my finger on a screen and I'm trying to find out what number is calling while it's ringing, it, the voiceover says nothing. All I hear is the screen clicks. That's probably the most uh, probably the most annoying one. But other than that, everything else seems to be working pretty good. Uh, it's very responsive. It seems a lot more responsive than it was in, in the past few uh, updates. So all in all, I'm pretty happy with 8.3. So I love that they now do the beta testing. I believe this probably helps out the quality of the IRS releases. Hope all is well. Take care, and bye-bye. Hey, Rob. This is Jonathan from New Orleans. I'm first calling to ask a question to you or the audience about messages. I noticed, I don't know when it started, but... Sometimes when, say, I'm listening to music or your podcast and then I open messages, for some reason my phone thinks that I'm trying to play something in messages so it cuts the audio off from the other source, which is really annoying if I'm going in and out of messages while trying to listen to your podcast. So I was wondering if you or anyone listening knew anything about that. And my other reason for calling is I was one of those people who stayed up until 2.03 Central Time to pre-order an Apple Watch for me and my girlfriend. So I guess two Apple Watches. I'm really excited to get one. I'm going to go to an Apple store soon to try one on. Once I do get the watch, I'll probably call into the show after a few days 
potentially on the watch to let everyone know how I'm liking it so that those who are on the fence can maybe be swayed a little more in that direction. Love the show, and I'm looking forward to hearing more updates about the Apple Watch and your experience with it. So take care. Bye. Jonathan, not really sure what's going on there on the messages with you. If anyone has any ideas, give us a call or shoot us an email. Back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I have an opportunity to change my AT&T Unlimited plan to the 3 gig shared data plan with one month rollover data. While I still have eight months remaining on my two-year single-line contract, savings would be $20 per month for a total of $160 for the current contract. I plan to purchase my future phones outright, so I don't need the supplemented phone purchase assistance. I'm only using one to two gig right now, but I'm not sure what my future data use may be. I'm looking for some thoughts, the pros, cons from you and your listeners on how dumb it would be to give up the unlimited plan that will never be available again. Great program, and thanks for all you do. Regards, Keith in St. Louis, New Orleans. Keith, my suggestion would be if you are going to stay with AT&T that you keep the unlimited data plan and that you take the subsidized pricing on the the next phone. The only reason you wouldn't take the subsidized pricing is if you were going to leave AT&T. And if that's the case, then you might as well go ahead and give up the unlimited plan. But if you're planning on staying with AT&T long term, I would keep the unlimited plan. Rob, this is Bob in South Carolina. I have a app that uh, sees that my jail phone's uh, jailbroken, that my iPhone is jailbroken. Is there a way to fool apps into not seeing a jailbroken iPhone? That's it for me. Thank you. Yes, yes, there is. And that would be with the app called Xcon, the letter X, C O N, Xcon, one word. Look for that in the City App Store. And that will mask your jailbroken phone so that apps think it's not jailbroken. I wanted to give a little heads up on an app called Invaders Mini, which is a, quote, game, unquote, for your Apple Watch. And yeah, using the word game there is being a bit generous. It is a Space Invader-themed app for your Apple Watch. And, well, it is clear from this, quote, game, unquote, that Apple Watch games have ways to go yet. But hey, if you want a quote game unquote for your Apple Watch, this one is appropriately priced at free. Thanks again to lynda.com for their support of TII. And if you go to lynda.com slash TII, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII, you'll get a free 10-day trial to their 3,300 plus video tutorials. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring the show and for the free offer. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. The feedback can be a question or comment per something someone said on this episode, or it could be a question or rant you have about something else an app, a product review, good or bad, as long as it's iOS-related, it is welcomed. And I'm always looking for a new artwork to feature that you've created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we're looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. It's your show and your feedback is greatly desired. And don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayonios.com community. And I'm down to one song in my queue. So if you have any music you've created on iOS device, please, please, please send it in. And finally, there is the TII app, which is now free to you. 
Search for TII in the iTunes App Store. It is the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TII is released or there's any breaking news. Please go right now and download the TII app. And did I mention it's free? And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Well, except for a few more voicemail messages at the end of the episode after the music. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. going to get it. I was supposed to, I actually, I was online and uh, at 12.02 and I already had it set in the, in my preferences, what I wanted. So I was one of the very first people to order the black space gray, um, you know, sport watch and I got it. And there is a learning curve for sure. There's a learning curve, including putting the bracelet on. (laughs) I got it with the black florima. uh, I guess that's what it's called. Bracelet. It's really amazing. And I really liked the watch. I wasn't too crazy about it until today I exercised. And when I exercised, what that watch can do as far as the heart rate and uh, the just the time, the lapse time, it was amazing. Just watching that watch go to work in the activity world was worth the price of admission. However, there is, um, of all the things about that watch, there's a few things that... I don't understand. Number one, why isn't messages in glances? And you can't put it in there. At least I can't figure out how to put messages into glances. And there's also reminders. Uh, You can't put that into glances either so that I think you can create your own reminder. Anyway, I might be wrong about the reminders, but I couldn't find it. 
I love the show. And by the way, that guy in Las Vegas who uh, at the show who told you you uh, you know you sound that you expected a lot shorter man. He didn't know what he was talking about. All right, take care. You make it happen, Rob. Hey, Rob. This is Ruben from Riverside, California. Just listening to your show right now. Love the show. Keep it up. I uh, just wanted to give you a call and tell you about my experience with Apple Watch. Uh, I have to say it has been going bad, not because the Apple Watch is doing anything wrong. It's I have not received it yet. Just so want to let you know I, um, I'm, one of, I'm a part of that unlucky group that did not receive it on launch day, which is mostly weird to me, especially because I had got my order in at... 12.03, right after pre-order date. So it's really uh, really upsetting to hear hear all these people that have, like, May dates or mid-May or late May, and they're already received on time. Especially disappointing when I'm seeing on YouTube, like, people doing um, videos like, will it bend or doing drop tests and just destroying the Apple Watch, and I'm here just waiting for my... All right, just keep up the good work. Love the show. Just thought, um, just wanted to let you know I didn't even get my Apple Watch yet. Bye. Hey, Rob, it's Ruben again from Riverside, California. I forgot to tell you last time I called that I ordered the the 38 millimeter space gray with sport black sports band. I don't know. I just want to let you know, add that little detail. I was so I was considering maybe like maybe that's the one. That got um, you know made the lease. Maybe that's why I didn't get get my watch. Bye.